0: Beyond, and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbusch, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 617 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we occasionally talk about PlayStation. I'm joined this week not by Lucy O'Brien. She unfortunately couldn't be here, but I'm joined by two wonderful boys of the beyond. Boys of the beyond. Max Scoville. (laughs) Hey. And Brian Altana. Rap, rap. Welcome Good thank you both you. for being here this week. Of course. Week. It's it, a
1: thrill and an honor, Jonathan. Oh, yeah. thank you. It's been uh, one wild and crazy week.
0: It has, and it's also a very busy week in the world of IGN, so much so that we can't really talk about all the things that are happening because there's a bunch of embargo things for the yep. days to come. Uh, so if you're wondering why we're not talking about This week's big release, Pokemon Sword and Shield. That's why. Uh, We, of course, will be talking about the big games.
1: It is coming to PlayStation 4, but that's under embargo.
0: That's under embargo. So we'll reveal that on Friday when uh, it launches. But uh, no, of course, this Friday is Jedi Fallen Order. We'll be talking about that game next week. Um, So if you're wondering why. But we will, this week, of course, be talking a little bit more about Death Stranding. Obviously, you've heard a bit from us about what we thought about the game. So I've reached out to a bunch of you your thoughts about death stranding so far obviously now it's been out for five or so days uh, as we're recording so want to get all of your thoughts about what's been going on in that game and also because it's been a bit of a quiet news time that said there are a few bigger news stories that i thought we could start off the show this week with so let's dive in if the sound is working to news crunch
1: is that it
2: It 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 did Did the sound, it did the sound, we're all good. It It crunched. It crunched.
0: Uh, The apple was there. That's crunch. So um, the first thing I do want to talk about, the most recent thing that happened is a statement that was said to the Italian press by Hideo Kojima about Death Stranding reviews. Uh, Kojima was speaking to an Italian outlet about the mixed reception of Days Gone, or Days Gone, Death Stranding. It's been a week and it's only Tuesday. Uh, About Death Stranding. In the U.S. and especially compared to Europe and Japan, uh, Kojima was speaking to an Italian game website, TGCOM24, um, and there was some bit of a mistranslation going on in there. Uh, There was a pointing to... An original part of this translation where Kojima was essentially saying that Death Stranding flew higher than first-person shooters, Uh, that was not what was said. Uh, We both had the statement as it was written in the Italian outlet, translated by someone who fluently speaks Italian. Uh, That person is a mystery but they're related to an IGN UK person. <laughs> it is not, uh, it's not me. It's not you. Um, but we had that statement translated and then also reached out to PlayStation. A PlayStation representative uh, spoke to us a bit about what was translated. Our independent translation of Kojima's answer regarding the mixed decep- uh, reception was, quote, I must say that the game has received some enthusiastic reviews above all in Europe and Japan. Here in the U.S. instead, we've had stronger criticisms. Perhaps it's a game that's difficult to understand for a certain type of critic and some of the public. Americans are some of the biggest first-person shooter fans, and Death Stranding isn't that. Uh, as I said, we reached out to Sony, who also provided translation for Kojima's final line, which where that uh, mistranslation on the first-person shooter aspect came from, and their version, which was translated from you know the original Japanese that was spoken, said, "Quote In America, there are a lot of SPS fans. Maybe those fans are saying that this is like a different game and are not rating it very high. Um, in either case, it seems to be sort of a belief that there is a cultural preference uh, at play here that may be influencing some of the reviews mm-hmm. and the impact of those games. I will note, as uh, IGN's review's executive editor, Dan Stapleton, noted, our Death Stranding review was done by Tristan Ogilvie, who is a member of the Australian team of IGN. He does not work in the U.S. or out of the U.S. office whatsoever. He, We work, of course, in conjunction with them, but he is located and firmly <laughs> exists within the bounds of Australia and lives yep. there. But he reviewed the game for IGN proper as a whole.
2: I'll I'll piggyback that with our Game of the Year of 2018 was a third person action game, PlayStation exclusive, with an incredibly heartfelt and original story. So I think that we're capable
0: of
2: a little more than just shooters. We do
0: give Call of Duty a 10 every year though. Right. As evidenced
2: by the fact that we've literally never done that.
0: Yes. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it is an interesting thing I will say right now as we were looking, just for those who are curious, uh, Death Stranding currently holds an 83 Metacritic, uh, so it's not necessarily doing poorly. No. Um, We, of course, were, I think, you know, one of the lower end of the scores in terms of like the major Mm -hmm. outlets. Obviously, there was some discrepancy. People wanted to point out the different IGN outlets that gave it higher scores versus IGN us that gave it a score, IGN US. Yeah. Um, to,
1: to clarify, the English speaking IGN offices all work together. So yes, UK, yeah. Australia, and US. Whereas everything else is sort of like almost like a franchise deal.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah and yeah.
1: we occasionally collaborate with IGN Japan, but they are a separate entity entirely. So.
0: Yes. Yeah. And we'll that, just, yeah. It's a give and take. Those sites do act independently. We can work with each other and sometimes they uh, adapt some of our content into their language. Sometimes if you know, there's IGN Brazil, there's a big Brazil game show, we might want to work with them to be able to mm-hmm. you know, uh, translate some of their content. So that happens, but they do operate sort of independently beyond using the IGN brand. It's
2: sort of like how McDonald's Japan has <laughs> eggs <laughs> on their burgers and you're like, that's interesting. But it's all still under the golden arches. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the, the thing is like we, in, we, we headlined one of our Beyond episodes calling Death Stranding one of the most divisive games of the year. And I think we all still stand by that. I think a lot of people looked at just the Metacritic score of like 83 and they're like, well, that's not divisive. And it's like that's true. Inherently, as a number, 83 is not a divisive number. You know, like if I got a B in school, my dad would be like, thank God, <laughs> you know, like people are happy at that. Usually you had
0: very different parents than I did. Yes. Yeah. Well, I,
2: I had very, I, I had expectations and I shattered them in the, in the wrong direction. Fair enough. Um, but, uh, I think that if you read into what a lot of the reviewers were saying, that's where the divisiveness comes in, where a lot of people said like, you know, it just even within us right here. We we wrote a piece about like the first 10 hours of the game and how some people love it, some people don't. Um, that Reading into the reviews, like actually reading them, not just scrolling to the number, which I implore you to all do more often. Um, you'll find that there was a lot of people being like, this is not for everyone. This is a very love it or hated thing. I personally loved it. I personally didn't like it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of that came from. I think it's like even the most diehard, die, hard, die hard men out there who played this game <laughs> And, and really love the first 10, 20 hours, I don't think they could look look directly at the camera and be like, everyone will love this. Oh, yeah, I've, no. as, as
0: probably of the three of us the most positive on the game in terms of enjoying it the most. I totally don't think this is a game for everyone. I fully expected not to enjoy this game going into it, uh, but I absolutely don't fault anyone for disliking that mm-hmm. game. This is, I think, where the frustrating part of the discussion comes in. I don't blame anyone for not having a good time just because I had a good time. Yes. I, we are all very clearly have played this game for dozens of hours and I it is totally fair and I very much understand all the criticisms. I just happen to feel differently as opposed to yeah. you feeling differently. No, different. I mean, yeah. I yeah. honestly, around,
1: around the office, just anecdotally, like people I expected to like the game gave up and people I expected to be like, what the hell is this? Are like, I really like it. Yeah. yeah. You know? If you had told so, me, so, yeah.
0: Sam Claiborne would have been one of the most like, People in the office who loves this game the most, I would have been shocked. Just personally on his yep. likes. But.
2: Yeah, I mean we had we had Matt Kim who does news with you and Brandon yeah. Hunt who runs who like uh, works on our social team. Both kind of like skittishly walk up to Max and I today and be like, "So I'm really enjoying Death's Training. We're like, "That's okay. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're 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 it's it's a video game. It's designed to be consumed and enjoyed in in some capacity." Yeah, um, I, I find this is an interesting one to talk about because it's not. It's 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 not the worst game ever, and I don't think it's the best game ever. And there's there's a there's a large area of conversation that happened between those two posts, and I think a lot of people can't handle that that level of. I, I don't think that that's intellectual gatekeeping. Like I won't say it's because they're shooter fans. I had a guy tell me that like I don't like the game because I I, I should stick to Fortnite, which is like yeah, it's just like I I mean that's a, that's just such a stupid 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 yeah. thing mm-hmm. to say.
0: It. It's really fascinating to me because I think it's also a game where there are parts of it that are really interesting and parts that are bad. Like as someone who really enjoys it, I think there are just objectively parts that don't work and parts that do work and are really interesting. And I want to discuss more and others that I want to criticize. And I think we've there's been so much talk in the last few years, especially this generation of like a game is great or a game is not great. And it has to be in one of those camps. I hate that. And especially with this game that is so divisive, but I think within itself is divisive to a certain extent it's hard to talk about that because we are so used to discussing things in black or white terms.
2: Max and I did a video for up at noon a couple years ago. We we were like, here's like 20 things in star Wars attack of the clones that are really cool. And it's like, look, we can all get together and admit that that is definitely not the strongest movie. in in that (laughs) nine, 11, 10, 15 movie batch, whatever it is at this point, plus a TV show. (laughs) Um, but we were able to look at that and go like, okay, but but this character's really cool or this this, this the sound that Django ship makes is really cool. You know, <laughs> like I like I, I really think it's important to find that kind of stuff. Um, because it's not it's not as black and white as like sitting there and being like Death training sucks or death training rules. Like Dig into why something works or something doesn't work for you. Like I, I there are so there's so much I love about Death Stranding. And I think as a whole package it doesn't gel for me. But I, I I could never just look at it and be like, that game's trash. Well,
1: yeah. so I think there's this this idea that like critics are like media cops and it's like nobody nobody wants to dislike things. No. Like you don't go out of your way to be like, well, looks like I'm going to be disliking this. I'm going to really just really show it who's boss by not enjoying it. It's like I would so much rather have a good time across the board with something. But Oh, like, God, yeah. yeah. I
0: don't want to take on a review where I'm forced to play and this is not what happened with Death Stranding, but, like, play a 100-hour game and play it over the course of a week and come to a critical analysis, like, that's not something I want to do. No, No, I mean,
1: I always always compare this, like, the the scene in Matilda where the little boy who gets caught stealing cake is forced to eat the entire cake in front of the whole school, and all the kids are, like, chanting, like, you can do it, Brucey! Like, the Bruce Bogtrotter cake scenario is reviewing a giant video game where you're under pressure to consume this thing that should be enjoyable and should be savored and should be appreciated... And under smaller, like, lower stress circumstances totally can be. But, you know, to try to separate that experience from, like, is that kid going to go ahead and never had cake again? I don't know. He's fake. He's in a movie based on a Roald doll book. That's <laughs> yeah. irrelevant. But, like, I definitely think that my, my experience with Death Stranding was I was kind of, I don't know, I kind of forced myself to burn through it too quickly. And everybody I know who's having a really good time is taking their sweet-ass time. Oh, which yeah. Which is I'm, entirely <laughs> antithetical to the act of being a delivery man. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw somebody. Somebody in the comments was like, "If do people like?" It was like, "If you like Amazon Prime, will you enjoy this game?" And I'm like, "If you like Amazon Prime, you're probably used to having your videos on demand and your shipping in under two days for free." And it's like,
2: sometime mm. in the same afternoon.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like that is very much an instant gratification platform. And ironically, this is a game that's like, "No, nah, man, just really enjoy the scenic route. Yeah, Take your time." It's-
2: it's speaking of irony. I mean, the fact that this is a video game about bringing the world together and it's tearing us apart is is saying mm-hmm. a lot in itself. I mean, there's the this this game is getting review bombed on Metacritic yeah. and it is getting tens and ones and that is like first of all, I think that there is something that is definitely necessary for user reviews. I think like for, for me to ever sit here and be like, user reviews aren't as important as the reviews written by my friends. That's a stupid thing to say. Sure. There's also so much, especially on Steam, that falls through the cracks that that the industry at large could never even dream to cover, where user reviews thrive. That said, I think giving a 60-something hour video game a 1 out of 10 an hour after it goes live... Probably not the most worthwhile criticism. No, we yeah. saw
1: we saw people in the comments of like last week's episode or whenever we put up the Death Stranding one, where it just immediately after it was Two up. Two months ago. Uh, whatever that <laughs> was, that three or three and a half. <laughs> it years? was a Friday yeah. before. Something. So, yeah. whatever it was. The, but the fact is, like when the thing was out, it, it. I know how long it takes to complete it. There's no physical way that somebody managed to actually complete it at that point. So for someone to jump in the comments, and be like, "Nope, wrong," and it's like you, you haven't, you haven't finished it. It's yeah. Like in the same way that like. You know, a, a, we'll put up an hour long podcast, and somebody will comment in like less than an hour after it goes live, complaining about something. It's like you haven't seen the whole thing.
2: <laughs> we know we we the facts hey, are right there. We see it. Give us credit. We screw up in the first five seconds. That's constantly. very true. Without
0: question. Yes. Absolutely. We can all agree on that. That's point. it. I wanted
2: to get back to Kojima's quote here. Whichever yeah. whatever the actual definition is, I I I'm I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> um i do feel like it is gatekeeping i feel like it is absolving any criticism around the game for which i think there is a justifiable amount uh and sort of just hand waving it and saying you know this is only for people who only like first person shooters and it's like it's disingenuous there's also like there are specific moments in this game that uh specifically ape like war games yeah like they're it's a reoccurring theme almost. Um,
0: well, and also just the, the general tone of that for me, it's like a way better way to have phrased that. And again, we are taking this from the Italian translation of someone who was speaking Japanese originally. Um, art doesn't have to be for everyone and that's okay. But mm-hmm. rather rather than it coming from a tone of, Oh, they just don't get it or don't have the background to get it. Mm-hmm. Maybe to just be like, it's okay that not everyone, you know, liked it. Some people are seeing things in it to like, some are not. Yeah. That is art.
1: I think there's, there's definitely two arguments to be made here. One is that uh, if, if Kojima was really committing to making a game that was aggressively not a first-person shooter game or did not have any shooting elements in it, then it would have been a, probably a more interesting game if it had been 100% a pure delivery game yeah. and hadn't had sort of trappings of Metal Gear Solid Five in there, which... Love Metal Gear Solid Five, but I think that that kind of held it back from actually being its own new thing. Yeah,
0: those are some of the least interesting parts. And then
2: it. he's also yeah. sort of obsessed with soldier culture and yeah. has and has used the word soldier in the titles of his games numerous times, as well as shown so- soldiers in the in in actual trailers for this game, like dudes running out with guns and fatigues and mm-hmm. masks and all this other stuff.
1: No, there's like I don't know, there's tons of like there's action trappings to this. It's kind of slow, meditative mountain yeah. climbing game. Uh, I mean, they, also, they, sort,
2: they piecemeal along, like, yeah. bigger and bigger weapons and grenades and guns. But, and
1: yeah, that. also, flip side, like, this dude, I don't know, He it's it, Japanese developer who spent plenty of time in America, but at the end of the day, like, in the same way that I can't go to Japan and fully understand it, I would be willing to say that maybe he doesn't fully understand America, and that for him to make a game about reuniting America and then be like, no, American critics don't like it because it's... Because it's um it's not a shooter it's like really
0: like maybe, <laughs> maybe mm, I don't know like- yeah it's yeah it, it's a weird tone and again it is working through you know several layers of mm-hmm. uh, translation so who knows what may have been lost there but yeah it, it does rub me a bit the wrong way because it, it is something I think there is worth value in exploring the good and bad of what doesn't doesn't work in this game but I also feel like because we're mired in a lot of is it perfect or is it not discussion right now right I like I want to talk about Death Stranding maybe in six months (laughs) when we can all kind of like take a step away from it and see coming back
1: I mean that's yeah that's when the dust settles and when everyone stops being so like angry and reductive and reactive also just side note I went to the post office this last weekend like the regular old USPS you know eagle mascot Uh, Kojima I don't think has ever been to one of those (laughs) I feel like if he'd been there it would be a a much bleaker post apocalypse yeah Yeah. it is it is uh, you know I'll do respect to postal workers out there. I, I appreciate your service, but those ladies were rude to me, so.
2: Yeah, no, it's 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 kind of like a smaller scale DMV that occasionally gives you a prize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah. Um, that said, we are going to le- listen to some of the viewer and listeners at home's opinions of the game just in a little bit, but first I did want to mention another really big piece of news that happened in between episodes, which was another restructure when it comes to PlayStation uh at the corporate level, so was it late last week? I don't know how time I think it was works anymore. Wednesday. It was Wednesday.
1: I want to say it was Wednesday. Okay, I want to so say it was right it after we. It was yeah. exactly when the news always breaks. Of course, yes.
0: yes. Uh, so PlayStation announced a change in leadership. Of course, uh, they announced earlier this year Sean Layden would be leaving. Uh, they announced that Guerrilla Games is Herman Holst would now succeeds Shuhei Yoshida as head of Worldwide Studios. Uh, I believe Sean was chairman of Worldwide Studios. Um, Meanwhile, PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan says the reorganization is necessary to help the transition into the PS5. Uh, In addition to Herman taking over for Shuhei, Shuhei Yoshida is now taking on a new role where he will essentially be helping to partner with indie developers and helping to cultivate those relationships and partnerships for PlayStation going forward. Um, speaking to gamesindustry.biz, Jim Ryan said, quote, Yoshida will ensure the entire SIE organization works together to better engage with the independent developers through a culture of supporting and celebrating their contributions to PlayStation platforms. Uh, looking for any other relevant quotes here. But essentially, Herman Holst is now taking over. He's moving from uh, Guerrilla Games, where he was a co-founder and managing director. Obviously, he was uh, very influential for Horizon Zero Dawn and makes a cameo in Death Stranding. We know him as The
1: Engineer. I believe.
0: Yes. Uh, the craftsman craftsman. Yes. Uh, he is there as the craftsman along with some other horizon nods, but he will now be moving on to head all of the worldwide studios wall. Uh, three other people at gorilla are taking over essentially as co-leads and I will find their names because I don't want to leave the, leave them out here. Uh, yes. Three of his colleagues, uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce. So apologies, but, uh, Angie Smets, uh, Jean-Bart Van Beek and Michael Vanderloo will take over as joint studio heads at Gorilla. I think you did great Thank on those you. I'll names. try. Uh, if any of your names were mispronounced, please yell at me directly on Twitter. I think it's... Jan. Uh, Jan-Bart yeah. Van Beek? Yeah. Uh. Uh doesn't matter. Well, let's debate this for another. No. no. Um, you, did, you did well. I appreciate it. Uh, but no, so obviously this is a big sign of change. Again, another step in the reorg that's been happening at PlayStation recently. Uh, Jim Ryan explained further in that games industry article that this is, a lot of the changes have been made to help globalize the PlayStation organization and essentially say, instead of doing things, the organization was very split to America, Europe, and Japan. Instead of doing things that were done in triplicate, we want to more centralize and have it all done once. Mm-hmm. So obviously there are ways to play to those different uh, territories and their interests, but if we're going to do a press tour for one game, why not make sure it's globalized and planned rather than have to do it among the three that's, territories? That's really
1: cool. Yeah, yeah I really like that because I feel like we frequently sort of—I don't know—we all have international conversations. Like that, we have a you know a global office and we have a global audience, and it's kind of cool to see them sort of actually uh, you know coming together. Uh, I can't help but sort of think about how this this feels like the early days of the playstation one mm-hmm. when they were like let's we'll send you over to europe so that like the japanese like corporate you know sony people get off your back for like ken kutaragi when he was like developing the original playstation Oh uh, yeah yep. that was basically like oh um you know the japanese suits don't really understand what you're doing so yeah uh, i mean it's obviously totally different here but
0: yeah, yeah here ryan said quote the first global campaign that we ran around was around spider-man it's a great game obviously but it also ended up as playstation's best-selling first-party game It was one global campaign conceived and executed in an outstanding manner, as opposed to three different regional campaigns that are often executed very well, but the same thing in essence done three times. Right. Um, So this is a very big thing for them, obviously, as uh, Jim Ryan was saying. You know, FIFA will still be really highlighted in Europe. Fortnite has been a big focus here. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is obviously a big push in Japan, but
2: Call of Duty in America, home yeah. of the shooters, baby. Top 10,
0: 10 out of ten. Um,
2: <laughs> I'm too dumb to get
0: anything else. Give me a gun. But I don't football. let me see my sword. <laughs> Give me the gun. I I do think it's a bit of a as we're like transitioning into the PS5 era. I. Late era PS4, Sony to me has been very devoid of a personality. Yeah. And I think them all getting on the same page and the same foot, whether or not Herman becomes a like out there on the stage every time spokesman and he's wearing a, you know, Crash Bandicoot t-shirt to tease a reveal, whether he's that person or whether he takes a backseat to let like other people take that front or if they take another approach, I think it makes a lot of sense. One, to sort of globalize and centralize all these things when the PS5 is meant to be pushed everywhere but two it shows a lot of faith in the sony first party to have you know the head of one of those studios be the person to take over this yep. position
2: yep no i'm totally with you herman's an awesome dude he was in the ign office a couple of years ago and he and i did a like a two hour long horizon let's play <laughs> and it was one of those things where i had like all these questions prepared but he just like he just went and just told me about everything. And I was I was already in, you know? I was mm-hmm. like totally sold on this game. But the, the dude's a great public speaker. Like he he knows his stuff, he gets it. It's also like, this is a really interesting and cool transition for Shuhei. Like anecdotally watching that dude on social media and also he and I are friends on Nintendo Switch. <laughs> um, the The guy plays a lot of weird, bizarre, like twee indie games. He
0: loves small games. Yeah. yeah. And he's really great about advocating those. Even within yep. the first party, like of any of the executives he's the one he he was like so happy that we put up our blood and truth review uh, as early as we could he was happy with the concrete genie like coverage and not that we're doing this for you know shuhay's blessing but sure. I mean, he really advocates the smaller games that were within even the PlayStation first party lineup and not yep. just the Spider-Man and the God of War he really wants to push all of that
2: and those are the games that that, that need help they're the ones that that need they, they need assistance crossing to the finish line and yeah. and getting onto the stores and there's all this like there's all this like little sort of box-ticking nonsense that comes with creating and shipping and designing a video game that I think that like somebody of his stature coming in and being like, how can we help with all of this and alleviate a lot, all that pressure so you guys can stick to the creative aspect is tremendously beneficial.
0: And I do think there's been a bit of a perception, I think like reasonably so, of Sony kind of taking a step back from putting such a focus on indies, especially yeah. with the rise of Switch, but those first couple years of PlayStation uh, we talked about it last week, like Gun is, I think, the best launch game. And it yep. was touted hugely at the first couple of E3 press conferences for PS4. It's like, here's six indies on stage. No Man's Sky was a big push for them. A lot of indies were a big push. And then that slowly started to fall away with them not being as big a presence. We've yeah. seen that a little bit in State of Plays where independent games do get a bit of a spotlight, but that's very different from the E3 stage. It's
2: also, so. your, your, your brain a- attaches itself to things that you enjoy and that are fun. And in hindsight, it is irrelevant what a game's budget was. Because when we sat here and we looked back at the PS4's launch, I wasn't like, well, Resogun is a worse game than Killzone because it had a smaller budget. I was like, Resogun was the winner for the PS4 launch for me. Yeah. And I don't care how if four people worked on it or 400 people worked on it. Like, video games are video games. And at the, at the end of the day, like, I, I just want PlayStation to have tons of awesome exclusives. I want them to to grab small studios and big studios and get that synergy together and just make it so I'm constantly playing really cool games on my PS5. That's I mean, it.
1: yeah, Shuhei seems like a like he's a very personable dude. And he's also pays attention on Twitter and probably keeps an eye about on things that people are talking about and like Herman has experience running a massive studio that put out a huge impressive AAA game a couple of years ago, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like to have people play to their strengths is good stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I think it's definitely a good sign going forward into the PS PS5's uh, launch window and the lead up to all of that. Obviously, we have seen a lot of shakeups recently, and it's left a lot of like doubt. What is Sony right now? Like, mm-hmm. is this all of a miss? And obviously, you know, having so many changes and people leaving is you know possibly a worrying sign. But at least these two moves to me do give some reassurance that like going into the PS5 launch, maybe we're not getting fully back to like PS3 launch era. Egotistical Sony, like that's my worry. Yeah, that's a good concern to have going into no, PS5. Totally. Get Th-
2: there. This feels like a positive restructuring uh, in the wake of like 15 significant departures, which yeah. is not really like the kind of stuff that imbues confidence leading into a new console launch. So it's it's nice to to go into 2020 being like, here's our battle plan, here's our structure rather than being like, four more people left. Like this is way <laughs> this is way better news there.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially getting ahead of it, which is what they seem to be doing is smart. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously we'll have Another full year to see how this rollout of the PS5 goes, and we'll be talking about that plenty in the weeks and months to come. I do want to talk about, as I had mentioned earlier, uh, some of all of your thoughts about Death Stranding, and we can touch on some of these opinions. I reached out to. This is what I want to hear.
1: I feel like we're too close to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, have, we have brain problems from paying too much attention to it. I want to hear what these guys have it's to say. It's been a
0: constant presence in the IGN office for quite a while. So, yeah, it's exciting to hear from all of you. I reached out to, for reference for this week, the Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond, as well as the YouTube beyond community, which is at youtube.com slash IGN beyond. If you go to the community tab, I occasionally post in there for asking for comments and questions and whatnot. So be sure to check that out and subscribe to the channel so you get those notifications. But a bunch of you responded, um, and thank you so much for everyone who did. Definitely have a wide gamut of impressions here. First one that popped up as I put it on Facebook, uh, Jeremy said, tedious and full of hot air, which I think has definitely come off that way for some people. The tedium, I think, has definitely been a recurring feeling for some people in the office, for sure. Yeah,
2: that's that's an interesting one because that's obviously completely subjective, and I definitely dipped in and out of that feeling. For for a while there, but there's I've heard people on the same page sort of describe it as you know fulfilling and cathartic. So one man's TDM is another man's sky.
0: <clears throat> uh, alternatively, the next comment was from Casey. Casey said, "I'm about 20 hours in and loving it. I think the gameplay loop is what really makes the game for me. Wandering through the world to make deliveries and occasionally getting upgrades to make traversal traversal better." The story is weird, but is actually kind of interesting to me. Walking for sometimes 20 minutes isn't always a blast, but I'm still compelled to see what is going on in various parts of the world. Uh, Moving on from that, Jason said, I think the initial negative talk that was going around helped me like it more. I had all these concerns after I pre-ordered to the point I was about to cancel, but with low expectations, it's been great so far. And I did want to bring that up because expectations that you go into something with can drastically affect how you end up liking or disliking a thing. Uh, Not that it invalidates anyone's opinions, but I do think for me to a certain extent going in, I really went into this game kind of expecting to have to play it for work so that I could be able to talk about it and ended up liking it a bit more. I do think that certainly affected that a bit.
2: Uh, uh, Yeah, hype can definitely be one of the most negative things in the world if weaponized incorrectly. Uh, I think it's, it's... Again, like what we were talking about before, that, that things have to either be like game of the year or the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever made. Um, and pushing things into these corners makes it difficult. This was a tough one because it's we didn't we both knew too much about it and knew too little about it. Yep. And then so I, I think there was the expectation that this this is going to be a new genre and it's like unlike anything you've ever seen before. And it turns out a lot of those weren't really founded. But I think that, like getting into it, if people can kind of measure their expectations a little bit mm-hmm. um that's it, i read a lot of people who were sort of like oh man this is this sounds like exactly what i want it to be you know
1: yeah i mean i've definitely like i i think i rushed my way through it um i tried really hard to keep my expectations in check because obviously like i was paying really close attention to this going in if i'd like stopped watching trailers and coverage maybe a year and a half ago or something it would have been a very different experience but yeah. the fact that kojima has a tendency of spoiling his own game just straight up yeah. Um, yeah. just revealing like just so much of the sense of discovery is like finding what's at the end of that thing and then to be like hey here it is in the promotional materials please don't do that yeah it''s, um, it's a yeah. bummer
2: man because it's like yeah. if, you, if you if you think about it like I mean w- w- as we're recording this like Disney plus went live at like midnight last night and basically almost everyone in our office either stayed up late or woke up early to watch the Mandalorian and not get spoiled and that is a show that's like had a couple trailers and a couple teasers that I stopped looking at, but it's really on. It's 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 the power of the content creators to essentially pull back and show us as little as possible because once this stuff is out in the wild, social media will destroy everything in mm. half a second. So the less we get we get shown, um, the better. This is also a game that never had a had a preview. There was never. A preview cycle for this game. Yeah, like a Fallen Order, which I'm playing now, and we can talk about next week, and you guys will get to play this weekend. Um, I I, I played three hours of that game in an event three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Like that, that had a very specifically we, Max and I played it at E3. Yeah, we played at E3. Like that, that you had a, a sense of what it is, yep. what it's like. This is this is, I believe, one of the first sort of AAA or definitely first party Sony games I've ever played that skip the preview cycle entirely yeah most of the last Mm -hmm. few
0: big releases we've gotten those like here's the first three hours of spider-man and god of war and even a big previews of days gone and everything Mm -hmm. yeah it's a different cycle to see i can kind of understand it because i don't necessarily know what three hours you would pick to show someone of this game yeah
2: (laughs) that'd be really weird
0: also because of the open nature of it you could get really disparate three-hour experiences, and yep. I think that would be interesting and valuable to discuss, sort of in a vacuum. Mm. But um, yeah, I can I guess reason why they didn't show it. In it that. also yeah.
1: it does have like I don't want to say so much a learning curve as it is like you you get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like it's it's less like you're learning how to play it. It's more like you're learning how to enjoy it. Like you're learning how you're going to play it yourself.
2: Um, well, like crawling is you know stupid compared to walking. Yeah, but you gotta do that first. But yeah, Yeah. and even if you're a baby and you're just doing tummy time and you're sitting there, once Mm -hmm. they start crawling, you're like, this is amazing. So if you handed somebody the controller and you're like, you can crawl, and they never just sat there on the floor or walked, they're sort of like, I haven't earned this experience yet, Mm -hmm. and so I don't know any of the struggles that came with it yet, so.
0: And speaking to that, Varun said, in a world where most open world games make traversal as easy or simple as possible in order to facilitate exploration, or to get you to the action as quickly as possible. It's really refreshing to play a game where the traversal itself is the challenge. I like how serene traveling can be, but also tense when you throw in mules and BTs. The gameplay reminds me of Shadow of the Colossus as it also took a simple mechanic climbing and made it intentionally challenging in order to make the player struggle. There's definitely a lot of parallels there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I love that idea. I wish that, I think it, it loses some of that refreshment when you make, you incorporate backtracking yeah. and yeah. repetition. because Yeah. Like if this game had been, if this had, been, had stretched out a bit, like if this was once, like not linear, but like it's it's almost this, like it's a game about, you know, reconnecting America and about and a, a journey westward and it, Sometimes there's sometimes you go south, sometimes you go east, you know? It's actually a lot of going east, you know? Like, <laughs> I actually, yeah.
2: I'm totally with you. I, I thought the game was going to be more move across the, the country, and it is, but there is also, like, a lot of triangulation where you're just, like, go here, go mm-hmm. back to here, go back up to here, especially the first three or four chapters yeah. are a lot of, like, okay, you made it out this far, but you got to go back to where you started out, and I think that that loses a lot of that sort of, like, that the mood and the atmosphere of like coming up over a ridge for the first time and being like, what's over there, the
0: Eastern region, especially, which is the first opening chapters definitely yep. feels that way because there's only so many places to go. You, mm-hmm. There is a lot of, uh, possible backtracking in the central region though. There's a enough movement that I'd say at least sometimes it feels like you're going to new areas and there's, there's a little bit more excitement in that like middle region for me. Yeah. Um, but definitely the beginning. Yeah. You're at the, same four or five stops
2: you also definitely do get enough sort of upgrades and apparatuses that make it so that deliveries aren't like a constant babysitting of like you know uh weight management and distribution and balance um and i think like that's that's when things start to really speed up but also when it sort of loses its its core ideology of like every you know the journey is the destination or whatever Mm because i think a lot of that gets kind of thrown aside and it just becomes like this thing that you get pretty good at yeah um which is uh, you know rewarding but not really difficult or
1: challenging yeah i really wish that uh i I always thought with phantom pain the way that game was structured that it was like konami's call or something and that kojima would have made like a much leaner story with sort of optional stuff to do on the side which is how he's done a lot of things usually there's like like either a new game plus or like even the first metal gear solid there were vr missions like there's always sort of like oh here's metal gear solid substance like here are snake tails like here's like this side stuff to do that's after the main story yeah uh it would have been so cool if this was like an eight hour campaign with an optional you know 36 hours of deliveries (laughs) you could go do Mm -hmm. like if they were like hey uh you you completed the thing but you know go nuts and like realistically like that that isn't how it is you know (laughs) like it's a substantial amount to get through the story and that's it there there's not that much story yeah yeah. you know
0: it's pretty sparse there side note on that i'm curious for my sake um having not played mgs5 would going back do you think from this to that i think you'd love it do you think i think you would absolutely adore it okay yeah Yeah. Um, because i've thought about going back to it I, i think
2: that like a lot of the sort of like Cumbersome systems that you're dealing with in Death Stranding uh, are kind of holdovers from Five, mm-hmm. but um, the actual loop of gameplay is a lot snappier. Okay, I mean, go in knowing that this is not—it's not a finished, completed yeah. game. Yeah. Um, but there's, God, there's so much to love in that game. Honestly, cool. like, yeah. I mean,
1: it, Five is also like so much of like sort of a sandbox where you can—I don't know—they they give you. Weather balloons to tie to sheep to steal <laughs> for some reason mm-hmm. because your you boys your
2: boys want mutton or something. I'll I don't. Take that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's also like customizing your your helicopter and your horse is a lot more fun than customizing like the straps on your JanSport. Yeah, I was yeah the I
1: was same really six hoping, colors
0: for your car. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was really hoping <laughs> that we there would be more sort of customization unveiled, yeah. but I think it's all like sort of hidden behind like higher level you know five star deliveries or whatever. Yeah, it, is, yeah,
0: it definitely is. I would say the clothing options in this game are not great. Very limited and kind of boring. Uh, Going through some other impressions, though. Michael in the Facebook group said, my 15-hour review. Uh, He didn't write for 15 hours. I think he meant how long he played. (laughs) It's RDR2 if Arthur had no gang. All of the cities were individual shacks, and his horse, when available, is entirely inadequate to traverse the barren, (laughs) rocky, monoscape terrain.
2: I actually actually
0: oddly enjoy the game for mainlining the story, but I don't enjoy the gameplay loop enough to do anything not conveniently along the golden path. Totally. It, I think that's the biggest divider is like if you like the act of the delivery system and yeah, dealing with that, whether it's on foot or by car or whatnot.
2: I actually, I had explained, I explained that to somebody on Twitter the other day before the game was out and I had tried to be as spoiler free as possible, but they were like, if I like the really tedious parts of Red Dead Redemption two, will I like this? And it was sort of hard to explain because it's like, that's such a, it's a, it's a bigger game and it's, it's more spread out and it's definitely slow and at, at, at times cumbersome but I think like minute to minute there's so much more happening in that world um, like there's rattlesnakes and there's hunt you could just stop in the middle and go hunting for hours there's like NPCs that remember you <laughs> like there's a lot more there's a lot more systems at play in that game I think it's just like a deeper richer world has the entire online experience like if, if you're like I'm a big fan of like slow tedious games which of these two should i get i'd be like red dead i mean red dead's that's a desert island game you know i think you could play that game for 200 something hours and not see it all i remember getting to like new orleans in that game and just putting the controller down and being like oh god there's a lot here (laughs) there's a lot of content like this is too much it's
1: massive and then there's the whole online component which is like a more conventional you know not not a new genre of online component it's you know I do think that um, when you get to the stuff in Death Stranding where it's like helping, you know, repave roads and rebuild stuff, that's, that was the part that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that really clicked for me is how it felt like it felt like a literal, like a very literal sandbox game. We've been using that term for like 20 years now to describe stuff like GTA 3 where you have a bazooka and a Harrier jet and, mm-hmm. you know, you can do whatever the hell you want. Mostly blow stuff up and cause mayhem. But the fundamental thing of a sandbox is construction? Yeah, you know? like it's it's typically little kids. I mean, maybe you take out your G.I. Joe's and launch some missiles, but like, I don't know. I feel like it reminded me of uh, playing with toys at the beach as a kid and like making like I'm going to make a little river and then I'm going to have my trucks go across it. But oh, no, we need a bridge. Better use like, you know, some sticks to make a bridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like that's so there was something very like very pure and very like just it, it really connected with that sense of of like. I'm going to go and get a big box of metal, and I'm going to go and upgrade a road yep. so that other people can use it.
0: Building the roads has been the thing that has like been feeding my addiction to this game right yep. now. Like, the yeah. y- reason I'm loving it is that like that loop of. Okay, I need to go fix this patch of road. Oh, along the way there's these four deliveries I can do and also I can maybe fix up that bridge over there and I can do this. That part has been what really has hooked into me.
1: And there's no speedrunning community for children at the beach playing with sticks, you know? True. Like it's much more <laughs> of like oh, like just going, you're puttering around, going about your business, yeah. you kind of Though I am yeah.
0: curious to see what speedruns of this game look like. Uh, Marco said on the YouTube side of the community, "I'm in love with this game. I'm over 60 hours in. I haven't found it boring or tedious. The constant upgrades, item structure, and story keep the game fresh." All all the time. I really hope it does well. The industry needs this type of experience and I would really love to see a sequel. I would really love to see what he does just totally different too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I, I haven't finished it but I don't know if I need a sequel to this game versus a new idea. Um, but I do... <laughs> I actually wrote a piece about this. I do hope people... Try out more things with the like social strand system and evolve that more because yeah. that, is, that is taking from like the Soulsborne era of things, journey a little bit. There are elements of those things, and this just really makes it like a fundamental part of the gameplay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't I don't love Death Stranding, yeah, I straight up don't. I've been pretty blunt about that, but the thing I've been thinking about is that part of me wishes. That we were all in that alternate dimension where we spent the last two weeks playing a new silent Hills game yeah. and like working together with the internet to uncover bizarre puzzles in all of its weird infinite loops that people are still pulling out from PT, which was just a tiny slice of what that game could have been. I'm, Yeah, um, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm sort of like selfishly like mad at the universe for robbing us of that opportunity. Cause I think that like having this weird, bold, puzzly, like kind of survival horror game for the whole internet to band together and figure out to tail end 2019. This awful decade <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> would have been a lot more interesting than sort of like us fighting over how fun it is to deliver packages sure. in, yeah. in a game that I think it honestly doesn't have any puzzles and doesn't really, it, yeah. it does have the social communication element of it, but like it's not as much as like, You know, like, if you pee in this corner, the old ghost will Mm -hmm. appear in the bathroom mirror. I think
1: Kojima's used to making games with a much bigger team and a much more support behind him. And obviously this is like a triple-A question mark Sony first party-ish game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, like, you know, he's admittedly got a smaller team. He said, like, hey, we sort of went independent. Like, this is, you know, this is not the monolithic Konami behind it. And a lot of people will celebrate that. But, like, I think he needs to learn how to scale better. And, like, I would love to see him make something that is just completely dense and refined as opposed to sort of spread out me too um, totally I mean, you can see this in, in terms of just like the scale of like like Metal Gear Solid 5 is it has more has more stuff in it mm-hmm. it's got it's got like bears it's got gerbils you can catch it's got different types of trucks Death Stranding has a truck you know like there's there's not really quite as much and maybe they're gonna go in and add stuff across like over the years and be like oh hey like we've you know we've here's a content drop like it's weird because you know Days Gone is a uh, that doesn't have any single player DLC or story DLC, but they went in and in in conjunction with the launch of Death Stranding, they were like, "Hey, here's a new motorcycle gas tank. It's the BB. How weird is that?" Here it is. Yeah,
2: yeah. it reminds yeah. me a lot of uh, Suda Five One's games, uh, and I, he's another you know batshit crazy <laughs> Japanese <laughs> video game auteur who I think works best when he's sort of confined uh and consolidated killer seven is one of my favorite games of all time and it's entirely on rails no more heroes added i believe is it either one or two added like an open world element because he was very clearly in a gta and stuff at the time and it was a very empty open world and i think that like rather than having an open world that's empty i'd rather have a smaller world that's that's full you know but we are we're so inclined to think that like v- every video game needs to be vast and gigantic and endless. Um, and I think it's sometimes at the expense of other things in the same way that you were saying before, like having a, a 60 hour story is maybe not as good as having a 10 hour story it, with 50 hours so worth of optional. I want to touch
1: on that. Like people, people look at that. And if you say like the game is this long, it's like the game is as long as you play it. And if credits roll at the game, like I think there's a difference between a game that is uh, it, like a linear story that takes X amount of time to complete and cost X dollars versus something that is like it has the options. Like Minecraft was what like thirty bucks when it came out, and yeah, that's, it was that a has while. continued to be full of things for people to do. Yeah, like I think it's it's disingenuous to be like, oh, that how long is that game? How long will it take you to beat it? And it's like, well, what do you mean by beat it? Um, but I mean, obviously, Kojima is like both wanting to connect players with each other through this weird, you know, asymmetrical multiplayer thing, but also tell a story and like the story for how much story is there and how much there is in the world I think takes too long for him to tell it but I don't know he's also got like these weird like leftover bits and pieces of of Silent Hills and Phantom Pain and I think a little bit of Metal Gear Solid 5 in there t- or uh uh 4 in there too
2: yeah it's odd because I mean no one ever says how long is the story in GTA 5 no <laughs> one's ever said that because people are always like well, it's uh, it's like that lolly that lollipop owl. <laughs> it's like you take three licks and then a he two. bites into it. Yeah,
1: a three a yeah. playable a protagonist.
2: <laughs> yeah, and so you, I mean, you're playing the story in GTA, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oops, car chase!" Yeah, and then you're distracted for an hour and a half, and you're on a roof as Trevor shooting cops for forty-five minutes. You wake up in a hospital, blacked out, drunk, and you're like, "I don't know what happened." Yep. and I don't know how long the story is in that game.
0: And even on a like smaller scale game right now that's <laughs> come out recently, like The Outer Worlds. Yeah. I'm, I am got to a new world and I have this mission. I just got 20 more missions in the next 10 minutes because there are so many yeah, options yeah. Yep. and I'm just going to follow all those paths yep. and see how it goes. There's, a lot of games are what you make of it. Now. Yeah, I
1: mean, you can you can mainline Breath of the Wild and what did I just say? I don't play? know. Okay. It's probably fine. For the best? <laughs> Yikes. Um, no, Breath of the Wild, you can mainline that in like, what, five hours, something yep. like that? And then Skyrim, I remember they were like, yes, the main thing, the whole dovakin Dragonborn story is like, three and a half hours if
2: you burn <laughs> through it. What is it? Uh, is it Fallout 4 where you can eat like Pagan Min's Crab Rangoon and get in a helicopter? Far Cry. Four, Four, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fallout 4, Fallout Fallout Pagan 4. No, Fallout, <laughs> Fallout New Vegas is the yeah. same way. Same
1: right? way, right? So yeah. Just, yeah, if you just actually burn through it, it's not that long of a game. But there's a gigantic world surrounding that game I don't know like I, everyone's always like oh I never you know I never beat Skyrim it's like yeah because you got too distracted putting baskets on people's heads and stealing cheese rolls you have no idea what happens to those stupid dragons
2: yeah how long is the story in yeah. Skyrim you were crafting armor out of glass
1: <laughs> like I don't know I think and it's it sucks to be like I wish the story or I wish the main campaign was shorter and people were like oh that sounds like a ripoff to me and it's like just dream bigger think think of a grander game mm-hmm. yeah
0: uh and seeing the disparate reactions to this game, I think, shows there's a lot you can make from this game or not much for you there, depending on what you're looking for. Uh, Another example, Jim wrote in the YouTube group and said, I've really been enjoying my time with it. It's a great relax after work game. There's something so satisfying about charting your course fighting off mules and BTs on your journey and successfully making it to your destination, especially when some other player placed a bridge or a generator at the perfect spot for you. Uh, Zay Manel said, one of the best podcast games ever. While on delivery, (laughs) I listen to podcasts or music. And when the story or low roar songs come up, I put the headphones back into the PS4 controller, and I'm loving it for that. Um, Of all that, we got a bunch of other reactions, but we're a little short on time. So last one I just wanted to read was from Ryan from Pasadena in the YouTube group. Get ready. Ryan said, Hey, Beyond, after a week of worry from mixed reviews, the Thursday finally came to pick up my early release up at GameStop. Unfortunately, crossing the parking lot, I was hit by a car filled with drunken teens, ended up in the hospital and wasn't able to play it until Friday.
1: Are you okay?
0: Rest assured I'm fine, just a little banged up, but I wanted to tell you my fears were swept away. The game is beautifully designed (laughs) and one of the most unique experiences I've had in a long time. The story acting and the repetition of embarking on a long trek, while having new abilities handed to you just when you think it may be impossible, really makes you feel like you're rewarded for your contributions. Highly recommended adventure beyond... I'm just happy you're okay. Yeah, I'm happy you're okay, too. <laughs> yeah. And I
2: hope it's not too soon a joke about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Death Stranding would have been so much more fun if it had cars full of drunken teens driving around. I was going to say, I yeah. wish I played it on Painkillers, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if uh, the mules were drunk while you are driving around... God, like what that, that
2: should be a commercial for that game is like trying to cross a parking lot to pick up a single package from a store, and you are getting by a car. When, when this
0: comes to a PC, please someone out there and make a mod of all the mules just being drunk teens yelling wow. at you in a car.
2: Amazing! Um, I'm so glad you're okay and that
1: yeah, you're VR game. too. Yes, uh, that is that is a a good anecdote to end this yes on. yeah uh,
0: thank you so much though to everyone who wrote in with all of your opinions uh, obviously we'll talk a bit more about this game to come there are more features more coverage going up on the website if you are playing Death Ending, please 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 go check out uh, our Death Stranding guide and walk through uh, Brendan Graber and a bunch of our guides and wiki team have been putting so much time into building and fleshing that thing out to be as helpful a resource as you may ever need uh, it's really comprehensive it's really great Brendan spent forever building a giant zipline course over the mountains it's, it's, so other yeah. people wouldn't have to worry about it he is a trooper and a saint and please 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 go check it out if you're playing we
2: also have an ending explained coming and I believe in in five, five or more minutes yeah and then so. a
1: spoiler cast full of the people who actually finished it
0: yes that is true
1: and what else? oh we did a we did a video I'm very proud of that everyone should go check oh, out yes um, you, it might not be the best stealth action game of the year but it is in fact 2019's best snowboarding game and Ryan and I put that to the test doing some stunts SSX
0: Bridgie that's my favorite <laughs> um, as a tricky fan I'll allow it uh, but anyway thank you so much to everyone who wrote in please check all of that stuff out uh, we're a little short on time so gonna blaze through what we're playing, not because it's 420, but because we don't have time. Uh, just to mention, check out my Arise preview. Arise a simple story was a game that was shown in the last state of play. Uh, it was this like beautiful looking 3D platformer sort of thing. It's actually a pretty cool uh, time manipulation platformer. Uh, comes out December 2nd. It's very close. So we'll probably talk about the game when it launches, but go check it out. I played two levels, which were really fun. Uh, but to wrap up the show, I want to do two things. One, a new segment, comment of the week. Ooh. Uh, this is based on a suggestion from the wonderful Max Coville. So thank well, you, Max. long
1: time listener, first time caller. Yes,
0: uh, no, I, we talked about it last week, but like, thank you to everyone who jumped into the comments after we talked a little bit about, you know, some of the negativity that can come up. So many of you are so positive, yeah. and so sorry, many. Of you, sorry for
1: whining, but thanks for making us feel better.
0: Yes, thank you for that. But so many of you are trying to like push the conversation forward and talk about the stuff we're talking about, and so we do want to reward them on the show. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk, about, uh, bring up as a comment of the week this week uh, we grabbed from the YouTube community this week was actually one you responded to on there, Brian. Uh, it was from Kiki Vulcan. Kiki Vulcan said, great show. I had to smile when Jonathan was pulling up the memory card and Lucy and Brian were just talking about memory cards in general until he found the email. <laughs> it's funny that you do a whole show commenting on different, relevant, and recent things in depth yet I comment on this little mundane aspect of running a podcast instead. Oh, well, it's the details. Somehow, I like noticing the little things the most, like good segues, for example. Anyway, I want more melee weapons in Horizon 2. I stopped playing Horizon Zero Dawn after I couldn't keep up even on the easiest setting because I couldn't let loose all the arrow shots and other things fast enough. I really wish I could have done more with the spear. I generally play games heavy-handed, just barging straight in, so I guess I should have paid more attention to the gameplay trailer, uh, people's let's plays, to figure out that I'm too slow to play it. It's not you, Horizon Zero Dawn. It's me. I'll wait to see how Horizon 2 is. Um... And yeah, obviously we talked a lot about what we wanted out of Horizon 2. And I I would agree the first game, it you can really fall into a pattern of like there are a few weapons that if you're not using, you're probably not gonna have a great time getting through. Yeah. Like it's gonna be a little too difficult in certain areas. Um so I think finding that balance and letting different builds, for lack of a better term, depending on how complex the game is, will be an interesting thing to have. Um but thank you anyway so much for that comment. And for everyone else who's been commenting, we'll read some comments. Each week on the show, but to wrap things up, we're gonna jump into a memory card. I'm gonna say it was playing. Uh the first thing I want to read was actually a reply to another memory card story, which uh the email comes from Nafia, who was writing in response to Ben's story from episode 614. Nafia said, hello and beyond. I just finished watching, listening to Beyond episode 614 and Ben's memory card story really touched me. If possible, I'd like to use this as a way to thank him for sharing such a great story as it reminded me that nothing's impossible and if you keep working hard and believing in what you want to do as a passion, you'll get there eventually, but surely. I'm tearing up as I type this as I myself have dreams, goals, to work in the games industry as an artist. Thank you again, Ben, and to the people of Beyond. Hope you have a lovely day. Much much love from Dubai, Nafia. Um, and Ben's story, if you didn't listen to it, was a really great uh, full circle story of how he now has a job at PlayStation. Uh, It was a really great story. Go check out that episode if you haven't heard it. But uh, thank you for writing in, and I like that we can have conversations of memory card stories weeks apart. It's like
1: some kind of a social strand system.
0: Interesting. Stop it. (laughs) 12 likes. Uh, Anyway, moving on from that, wanted to read one story from... uh, James. James wrote in, said, Beyond Crew, being an active-duty soldier, I have several great PlayStation memories. However, the most recent and the one that sticks out the most is when I was stationed in Korea... Having to leave my wife and family behind for a year was rough, but I took my PS4 with me and would capture and post a video of me playing games to share with my son so that he could embark on adventures with Kratos and hunting monsters with me in Monster Hunter World. However, the best moment came when my 11th anniversary with my wife was approaching. She's not the biggest gamer, but has enjoyed the Kingdom Hearts series. You picked a good one. We have played through them together and was looking forward to, for a very long time, to the third being released. She called to say that I was not allowed to buy it as she had. I would have, uh, excuse me, I would have to wait to get home so that we could play it together. With six months of my deployment left, this wasn't an easy feat, but fast forward to my return, having settled into my new job in Alabama, I came home to find my wife, had decorated the house in Kingdom Hearts swag, ordered a pizza and had the game up on our TV. We played together in celebration of me, uh, of being married for 11 years and had a great time in the new story with Sora and his crew. That's but beautiful. Celebration that's
1: of being married for 11 years and waiting for Kingdom Hearts for 17. 17 years. <laughs>
0: Uh, Thank you for writing in that story. uh, Again, thank you everyone who's been writing in with the stories of your life with PlayStation and gaming in general and how it's impacted all of your lives. We really, really appreciate that you're willing to open up like that. And if you have a story to share in our memory card segment each week, write into beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card. We will read those on the show each week. We will also, of course, read any questions or comments you have on the show in future weeks to come. But without further ado that is the end of Beyond Episode 617 it is over I'm can sorry we do it ha- g-
1: can we do it again next week
0: yeah uh, not 617 we'll do 618 oh, but
2: yeah. only if you're good yes
0: okay we'll see how it goes because you guys have a video shoot to get to that's what that's right yeah Ah, oh, crap anyway uh, of course when we're not recording this show we are at IGN.com youtube.com slash IGN and all of our various social channels we're making a ton of stuff as Max had just mentioned uh, the very funny uh, Death Stranding snowboarding video please go check it out it goes um,
1: downhill real fast just,
2: yeah, I'm gonna go the
0: video shoot. Uh Brian, anything else you want to tout?
2: No, that was perfect.
0: Fair enough. Uh, when we're not here, of course, we're also on Twitter. I am at James Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle, and I guess Max is at Max scoville Also, Lucy O'Brien is at Lucy O'Brien. Sometimes she'll be on the show, but otherwise, He's still
2: standing in the corner.
0: It's right? it's a little oh, weird. Thank man. you so much for listening and/or watching to this episode. And as always, beyond, beyond,
2: beyond.